I would like to wish my wife Haven a very, very happy birthday. Her birthday is this coming Saturday, July the 2nd, and I can't even begin to describe all that she is, not only to me and our son, but to so many people. She is beyond truly amazing, and she is without a doubt one of the biggest lovers and supporters of this show. And so, Haven, I hope and pray you have an amazing birthday, even though I know you have to work, which really <laughs> sucks that you got to work on your birthday. But thank you for doing what you do and for being there for your family and for everyone, literally everyone. So this show is dedicated to you, Haven. So one more set of announcements before we begin, or I shouldn't say announcements, but prayer requests and updates. Um, I've been talking about or sharing with you all uh, in prayer requests for Bob. I mean, as we know, he just recently lost his mother, Doris, um, after a very, very long battle uh, with dementia. And now, you know, Bob is going through health issues as well. Um, he was able to see an oncologist this week, and the oncologist um, believes he has some form of follicular lymphoma and any of you who are familiar with that know that that's not not good at all he goes in on july the 5th to have a biopsy done at 8 a.m eastern time uh, so if you could mark that on your calendars um, and then he goes back to the oncologist on july the 8th at 11:30 a.m eastern time again if you want to mark that on your calendars uh, we're praying for a miracle, folks, because, again, any of you who are familiar with, with this type of lymphoma know how aggressive it is. Um, his oncologist believes that he's had this for probably three to four years. So that in and of itself is, is not good at all. And, you know, other than what he's going through physically, I mean, he was still going through a lot mentally with the loss of his mother. Now this on top of it. Um, as you could only imagine or not even begin to imagine how um, harmful this is and, and what it's doing to him. So, again, we're praying for a miracle that the biopsy comes back, that it's not uh, lymphoma, that it was something else that's benign, and that Bob is able to make a full and fast recovery uh, physically as well as mentally. So him and Elaine, who is my mother, can finally um, recover, heal, and get on with their lives. So please, please, please. I know this isn't until a week from now, but if we could start the prayers on this now, start channeling and focusing our prayers and energies on this positive outcome, um, the better chance we have of uh, the divine God, um, the all that is, the universe, whatever you label that which can't be labeled, gives that uh, divine all our acknowledgement that we want this outcome, that we, you know, we need this outcome. And also following up um, on Elaine, she um, has not heard anything back from her doctor since her um, nuclear stress test on Monday. Um, she checked her my chart and I agree with her in that if they would have found something critical, they would have called her in right away. Um, 
But she's due to go back for a follow-up on July 26th. So if we could keep Elaine continuing in our hearts and prayers, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, please continue praying for Megan, Molly, and Gwen. Um, They're still chugging right along and struggling to try to find proper housing, safe housing, and uh, get their lives together. It's, It's been a tumultuous time for that whole family and Megan's been bearing most of the brunt of it as being the mother and um, blessings to her. She's been doing an amazing job. But, you know, as with anyone, there's going to be times when you're going to crack, you know, when you need to break down and you do break down. And that, that's good. That's healthy. And, you know, she could definitely her and her whole family could definitely continue to use our prayers, positive energies and anything we could muster for them. And also, we should keep just general prayers going for Emma and also for Jean. Non-related, but just general prayers for health and well-being for two amazing beings that do so much for everyone. Thank you all so very much and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing this week? Thank you all so very much for tuning in. I so hope and pray that you all are well and blessed. If you are in need of prayers, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. There's information at the end of the show. If you're already not familiar and you're new to the show, There's information at the end of every show on how to contact me. I love to pray, and people that listen to the show love to pray. Why not let us pray for you? There is strength in numbers, and I firmly believe that, especially when it comes to prayer. There's a lot of power in prayer, and a lot of things can happen. So let us be there for you. Please, please, please reach out to me and let me know of your prayers so we can pray for you. And on that note, if you're new to the show, thank you so very much for finding us. It is my deepest hope and sincerest prayer that you find exactly what you're looking for and more in a podcast and show, especially a faith-based podcast and show. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for being part of the Faith and More family and for being here and supporting us infinite thanks (laughs) i can't thank you all enough you all are the reason why this show is here this week i have a truly amazing i know when aren't they truly amazing mystic and again when aren't they mystics (laughs) something that we're all learning and discovering together this week we will be learning a little bit about saint Teresa benedicta of the cross also known as edith stein okay so we do this from time to time for those of you who are new 
Show of hands, how many people have heard of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein? Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't see many. And see, this is the thing. That's why that's why we, we do this. Here we have uh, uh, wow, a truly another truly amazing being uh, that is just off the charts that we had never heard of before. And that's tragic. That that really is. So today we're going to be learning a little bit about the amazing being and life that is St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, born Edith Stein. So St. Teresa Benedicta was a nun, a discalced uh, Carmelite, and also a martyr. Uh, discalced, which I had to look up myself, means that they don't wear shoes, that they either go barefoot or they wear sandals. So if you see or hear the word discalced, it's D-I-S, C-A-L-C-E-D. So in case I'm not pronouncing that right. So if you ever see or hear that word, you'll now know that that means uh, the person does not wear shoes. They either wear sandals or they go bare feet. St. Teresa Benedicta was a brilliant philosopher who stopped believing in God when she was 14 years old. She was born Edith Stein, and Edith Stein was so captivated by reading the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila that she began a spiritual journey that led to her baptism in 1922. Twelve years later, she imitated St. Teresa by becoming a Carmelite, taking the name Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Wow, so that little <laughs> that little overview is pretty power packed, isn't it? So see where I'm heading? She's like, wow, really, really, really interesting. So Edith Stein was born in Breslau on the twelfth of October, eighteen ninety one. She was the youngest of eleven as her family were celebrating Yom Kippur. So she was Jewish and she was born on Yom Kippur. That most important Jewish festival, the Feast of Atonement, more than anything else, this helped make the youngest child very precious to her mother. Being born on this day was like a foreshadowing to Edith, a future Carmelite nun. And for those of you who aren't familiar with where Breslau is, it's in Germany. Edith's father, who ran a timber business, died when she had only just turned two. Her mother, a very devout, hardworking, strong-willed, and truly wonderful woman, now had to fend for herself and to look after the family and their large business. However, she did not succeed in keeping up a living faith in her children. Edith lost her faith in God. She said, I consciously decided of my own volition to give up praying. In 1911, she passed her school leaving exam with flying colors and enrolled at the University of Breslau to study German and history. Though this was a mere bread and butter choice, her real interest was in philosophy and in women's issues. She became a member of the Prussian Society for Women's Franchise. She says, when I was at school and during my first years at university, I was a radical suffragette 
Then I lost interest in the whole issue. Now I am looking for purely pragmatic solutions. In 1913, Edith Stein transferred to Gigton University to study under the mentorship of Edmund Husserl. She became his pupil and teaching assistant, and he later tutored her for a doctorate. At the time, anyone who was interested in philosophy was fascinated by Husserl's new view of reality, whereby the world as we perceive it, it does not merely exist in the Kantian way, in our subjective perception. His pupils saw his philosophy as a return to objects, back to things. Herschel's phenomenology unwittingly led many of his pupils to the Christian faith. Edith Stein also met the philosopher Max Scheller, who directed her attention to Roman Catholicism. Nevertheless, she did not neglect her bread and butter studies and passed her degree with distinction in January 1915, though she did not follow it up with teacher training. I no longer have a life of my own, she wrote at the beginning of the First World War, having done a nursing course and gone to serve in an Austrian field hospital. This was a hard time for her, during which she looked after the sick in the typhus ward, worked in an op operating theater, and saw young people die. When the hospital was dissolved in 1916, she followed Herschel as his assistant to the German city Freiburg, where she passed her doctorate, summa cum laude, with the most utmost distinction, in 1917, after writing a thesis on the problem of empathy. During this period, she went to Frankfurt Cathedral and saw a woman with a shopping basket going in to kneel for a brief prayer. This was something totally new to me. In the synagogues and Protestant churches I had visited, people simply went to the services. Here, however, I saw someone coming straight from the busy marketplace into this empty church as if she was going to have an intimate conversation. It was something I never forgot. Towards the end of her dissertation, she wrote, there have been people who believed that a sudden change had occurred within them and that this was a result of God's grace. How could she come to such a conclusion? Edith Stein had been good friends with Herschel's Gottingen assistant, Adolf Reinach, and his wife. When Reinach fell in Flanders in November 1917, Edith went to Gottingen to visit his widow. The Reinachs had converted to Protestantism, blah, blah, excuse me, Protestantism. Uh, Edith felt uneasy about meeting the young widow at first, but was surprised when she actually met with a woman of faith. This was my first encounter with the cross and the divine power it imparts to those who bear it. It was the moment when my unbelief collapsed and Christ began to shine his light on me. Christ in the mystery of the cross. Later she wrote, Things were in God's plan, which I had not planned at all. I am coming to the living faith and conviction that 
from God's point of view, there is no chance in that the whole of my life down to every detail has been mapped out in God's divine providence and makes complete and perfect sense in God's all-seeing eyes. In autumn 1918, Edith Stein gave up her job as Herschel's teaching assistant. She wanted to work independently. It was not until 1930 that she saw Herschel again after her conversion and she shared with him about her faith as she would have liked him to become a Christian too. Then she wrote down the amazing words, Every time I feel my powerlessness and inability to influence people directly, I become more keenly aware of the necessity of my own Holocaust. Edith Stein wanted to obtain a professorship, a goal that was impossible for a woman at that time. Herschel wrote the following reference. Should academic careers be opened up to ladies, then I can recommend her wholeheartedly and as my first choice for admission to a professorship. Later, she was refused a professorship on account of her being Jewish. Back in Breslau, Edith Stein began to write articles about the philosophical foundation of psychology. However, she also read the New Testament, Kierkegaard, and Ignatius of Loyola, spiritual exercises. She felt that one could not just read a book like that, but had to put it into practice. <laughs> I completely agree with that. In the summer of 1921, she spent several weeks in Bergsaburn on the country estate of Hedwig Conrad Martius, another pupil of Herschel's. Hedwig had converted to Protestantism with her husband. One evening, Edith picked up an autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila and read this book all night. When I had finished the book, I said to myself, this is the truth. Later, looking back on her life, she wrote, my longing for truth was a single prayer. So as we see, she was exposed to a lot of Protestants, um, which is kind of surprising that she didn't become um, of the Protestant faith. But she also had that strong Jewish faith of her own, you know, even though her family didn't practice it um, as often as most uh, Jewish people do. Uh, so it's really, you know, just so intriguing that, you know, she went to the Roman Catholic faith. On the 1st of January, 1922, Edith Stein was baptized. It was the feast of the circumcision of Jesus when Jesus entered into the con covenant of Abraham. Edith Stein stood by the baptismal font wearing Hedwig Conrad Marcius' wife's white wedding cloak. She says, I had given up practicing my Jewish religion when I was 14 years old as a girl and did not begin to feel Jewish again until I had returned to God. From this moment on, she was continually aware that she belonged to Christ, not only spiritually, but also through her blood. At the Feast of the Purification of Mary, another day with an Old Testament reference, she was confirmed by the Bishop of Speyer in a private chapel. After her conversion, she went straight to Breslau and said, Mother, I am a Catholic. The two women cried. Hedwig Conrad Martius wrote, Behold, two Israelites indeed in whom is no deceit.
Immediately after her conversion, she wanted to join a Carmelite convent. However, her spiritual mentors, Vicar General Schwind of Spare and Eirik Prizwara, stopped her from doing so. Until Easter 1931, she held a position teaching German and history at the Dominican Sisters School and Teacher Training College of St. Magdalene's Convent in Spare. At the same time, she was encouraged by Archabbot Raphael Walzer of Baron Abbey to accept extensive speaking engagements, mainly on women's issues. During the time immediately before and quite some time after my conversion, I thought that leading a religious life meant giving up all earthly things and having one's mind fixed on divine things only. Gradually, however, I learned that other things are expected of us in this world. I even believe that the deeper someone is drawn to God, the more he has to get beyond himself in this sense, that is, go into the world and carry divine life into it. And that's definitely a most profound statement that, you know, as we grow and mature and blossom in our faith, it's not something we should keep to ourselves. It's not a private thing. It's something that we should share with others. Now, I'm not saying to become like a missionary or to go around thumping people on the head with a Bible trying to convert them. I'm saying just by being what your faith is, by being your faith, by living your faith. Um, as I've said, and as Father Mike has said uh, on a previous show, it's it's a way of life. It's it's no longer considered faith, or it's no longer considered a practice, or it's no longer considered prayer. Um, it is a way of life. It is you. You become intertwined in, in, in one with it, which is exactly how how it's meant to be. And then you share that by sharing yourself with others, by helping others where you can help. Now, I'm not saying, again, going out and converting anyone, you know, um, as Father Mike said in the first episode of this season, if you can help somebody that wants help, help them. If they don't, then leave them be and love them for who they are. She worked enormously hard translating the letters and diaries of Cardinal Newman from his pre-Catholic period as well as Thomas Aquinas's Questions Dispute de Veritate. The latter was a very free translation for the sake of dialogue with modern philosophy. Eric Prizwara also encouraged her to write her own philosophical works. She learned that it was possible to pursue scholarship as a service to God. It was not until I had understood this that I seriously began to approach academic work again. To gain strength for her life and work, she frequently went to the Benedictine Monastery of Baran to celebrate the great festivals of the church year. In 1931, Edith Stein left the convent school in Speyer and devoted herself to working for professorship again, this time in Breslau and Freiburg. Through her endeavors, or excuse me, though her endeavors were in vain, it was then that she wrote Potency and Act, a study of the central concepts developed by Thomas Aquinas. Later, at the Carmelite convent in Cologne, she rewrote this study to produce her main 
philosophical and theological avere finite and eternal being. By then, however, it was no longer possible to print the book. In 1932, she accepted a lectureship position at the Roman Catholic Division of German Institute for Educational Studies at the University of Munster, where she developed her anthropology. She successfully combined scholarship and faith in her work and her teaching, seeking to be, quote, a tool of the Lord, end quote, in everything she taught. Quote, if anyone comes to me, I want to leave them to him, end quote. In 1933, darkness broke out over Germany. She said, I had heard of severe measures against Jews before, but now it dawned on me that God had laid his hand heavily on his people and that the destiny of these people would also be mine. The Aryan law of the Nazis made it impossible for Edith Stein to continue teaching. She said, if I can't go on here, then there are no longer any opportunities for me in Germany, she wrote. I had become a stranger in the world. Arch Abbot of Baron Walzer now no longer stopped her from entering a Carmelite convent. While in spare, she had already taken a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. In 1933, she met with the prioress of the Carmelite convent in Cologne. Human activities cannot help us, but only the suffering of Christ. It is my desire to share in it. Edith Stein went to Breslau for the last time to say goodbye to her mother and her family. Her last day at home was her birthday, the 12th of October, which was also the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Edith went to the synagogue with her mother. It was hard. It was a hard day for the two women. Why did you get to know it, her mother asked her, referring to Christianity. I don't want to say anything against him. He may have been a very good person, but why did he make himself God? Edith's, mother's, Edith's mother cried. The following day, Edith was on a train to Cologne. I did not feel any passionate joy. What I had just experienced was too terrible, but I felt a profound peace in the safe haven of God's will. From now on, she wrote to her mother every week, though she never received any replies. Instead, her sister Rosa sent her news from Breslau. Edith joined the Carmelite convent of Cologne on the 14th of October, and her investiture took place on the 15th of April, 1934. The mass was celebrated by Archabbot of Baron. Edith Stein was now known as Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. In 1938, she wrote, I understood the cross as the destiny of God's people, which was beginning to be apparent at the time. I felt that those who understood the cross of Christ should take it upon themselves on everybody's behalf. Of course, I know better now what it means to be wedded to the Lord in the sign of the cross. However, one can never comprehend it because it is a mystery. On the 21st of April, 1935, she took her temporary vows. On the 14th of September, 1936, the renewal of her vows coincided with her mother's death in Breslau. 
My mother held on to her faith to the last moment. But as her faith and her firm trust in her God were the last thing that was still alive in the throes of her death, I am confident that she will have met a very merciful judge and that she is now my most faithful helper so that I can reach the goal as well. When she made her eternal profession on the 21st of April, 1938, she had the words of St. John of the Cross printed on her devotional pictures that said, Henceforth, my only vocation is to love. Her final work was to be devoted to this author. Edith Stein's entry into the Carmelite order was not escapism. She said those who join the Carmelite order are not lost to their near and dear ones, but have been won for them because it is our vocation to intercede to God for everyone. In particular, she interceded to God for her people. She said, I keep thinking of Queen Esther, who was taken away from her people precisely because God wanted her to plead with the king on behalf of her nation. I am a very poor and powerless little Esther, but the king who has chosen me is infinitely great and merciful. This is great comfort. She wrote this on the 31st of October, 1938. On November 9th, 1938, the anti-Semitism of the Nazis became apparent to the whole world. Synagogues were burnt. Jewish people were subjugated to terror. The prioress of the Carmelite convent in Cologne did her utmost to take Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross abroad. On New Year's Eve, 1938, she was smuggled across the border into the Netherlands to the Carmelite convent in Echt in the province of Limburg. This is where she wrote her will on 9th of June, 1939. She said, even now I accept the death that God has prepared for me in complete submission and with joy as being his most holy will for me. I ask the Lord to accept my life and my death so that the Lord will be accepted by his people and that his kingdom may come in glory for the salvation of Germany and peace of the world. While in the Cologne convent, Edith Stein had been given permission to start her academic studies again. Among other things, she wrote about the life of a Jewish family, that is, her own family. She said, I simply want to report what I experienced as part of a Jewish humanity. And she pointed out, we who grew up in Judaism have a duty to bear witness to the young generation who are brought up in racial hatred from early childhood. In Act, Edith Stein hurriedly completed her study of the church's teacher of mysticism and the father of the Carmelites. St. John of the Cross on the occasion of the 400th anniversary of his birth. He was born in 1542 and passed in 1942 or yeah, you know, 1542 to 1942 was that 400th anniversary. In 1941, she wrote to a friend who was also a member of her order. She said, one can only gain a sentia crucius knowledge of the cross if one has thoroughly experienced the cross. 
I have been convinced of this from the first moment onwards and have said with all my heart, I welcome you, Cross, our only hope. Her study on St. John of the Cross is entitled The Science of the Cross. So Edith Sign, St. Teresa, was arrested by the Gestapo on the 2nd of August, 1942, while she was in the chapel with the other sisters. She was to report within five minutes, together with her sister Rosa, who had also converted and was serving at the Act convent. Her last words to be heard in Act were addressing Rosa, Come, we are going for our people. Together with many other Jewish Christians, the two women were taken to a transit camp in Amherst Fort and then to Westerbork. This was an act of retaliation against the letter of protest written by the Dutch Roman Catholic bishops against the programs and deportations of Jews. St. Teresa commented, I never knew that people could be like this. Neither did I know that my brothers and sisters would have to suffer like this. I pray for them every hour. Will God hear my prayers? He will certainly hear them in their distress. Professor Jan Nota, who was greatly attached to her, wrote later, She is a witness to God's presence in our world where God is absent. On the 7th of August, early in the morning, 987 Jews were deported to Auschwitz. It was probably on the 9th of August that Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, her sister and many others of her people were gassed. When Edith Stein was beatified in Cologne on the 1st of May in 1987, the church honored a daughter of Israel as St. Pope John Paul II put it, who, as a Catholic during Nazi's persecution, remained faithful to the crucified Lord Jesus and, as a Jew, to her people in loving faithfulness. She was canonized on October 11, 1998. What a truly an amazing, remarkable being um, St. Therese, Teresa is. I mean, wow, and just absolutely brilliant. You know, here's another saint, a female saint. It's just intelligent off the charts. But because of the time, she wasn't able to pursue the education and, and do the things that she wanted to do, which is a tragedy and a shame. But she didn't let that suppress or oppress her she continued to do her way her way you know she she continued to be herself she never let it change her she never let it stifle her she just found other ways to do what she needed to do and again it, it's a, it's a tragedy that we don't know of her we don't know of all these other saints that we've and angels that we've explored and learned about and I mean, I'm just so happy and blessed and grateful that this show is here, that we can learn these 
about these people together because we need to bring them back. We need to bring them back to our hearts and our minds. Uh, We need to think about them more. We need to pray for their intercession. We need to, you know, they're there. They want us to pray to them for assistance. Um, They devoted their entire life in this world uh, for their faith and for us. So, you know, I, I feel almost like we owe them. It's like a duty to us to, you know, they were there and are there for us. Now it's time for us to be there for them. I hope that makes at least some kind of sense. The article that I just read from is actually from the Vatican. And unfortunately, it didn't list the um, age of St. Teresa when she was killed. She was 51 years young uh, when she was killed and when she passed. What a tragedy. But we are so very blessed that there are so much of St. Teresa's writings still available. I will put some links in the show notes and show description for you to check out on Amazon. I've only listing three, but there are a lot. And it looks like that they're finding more and more. Um, So that is just amazing that um, the convents that she was in or... um, you know, where she did her writing, her writing has been preserved so we can all check it out and just, wow. I'm just completely floored and, and amazed and so very happy that her writings live on. Okay, so we're going to close with a prayer uh, that St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross actually wrote. It goes, O Prince of Peace, to all who receive you, your bright light and peace. Help me to live in daily contact with you, listening to the words you have spoken and obeying them. O divine child, I place my hands in yours. I shall follow you. O let your divine life flow into me. Amen. I so hope and pray that you have enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you've been searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, and more here with us. Don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. Um, A link can always be found in the show notes and show description. Now, I know some people like to do that, that, that helps them feel as you know they're contributing and doing something and this is the best way because some people have asked me about setting up a patreon and i'm completely against that i don't want to accept any kind of money for anything i'm doing here jesus didn't do it buddha didn't do it i didn't do it before when i taught uh, buddhism and eastern philosophy for four years Um, but i will accept books so i do have a list uh, on that wish list for the show that you can, if you feel compelled to, and you have the means, please don't take from your grocery money or your bill money or from just life money. If you have it and you want to make an offering, then go to the wish list and do so. I would be 
beyond grateful and appreciative and by purchasing books and sending them to me what you're doing is you're helping me educate myself so i can then pass that education on to all of you and that also sparks and creates and inspires more and more shows so it's a gift that keeps giving that's never ending i'm always open to questions and suggestions um as I always say, there's, it's always like crickets in my mailbox. I don't hear much from anybody, but you know, unless it's family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I know there are so, so many of you all over the world that are listening. And I completely understand and I respect your privacy. And I respect that you're quiet. Um, and, but I do want you all to know that I'm here for you all the time. And uh, again... Speaking of suggestions, I mean, I know there are so many amazing angels and saints, past and present, in your community, in your country. Could even be you that the world doesn't know about, but by gosh, we should know about. Um, could be some that have come and gone that are fading from memories and hearts. And we tend to you know, shine the light on a lot of those here in the show. And that's kind of one of the goals of this show is to make sure these beings stay alive because they are such amazing, truly amazing. Um, it, it's tragic for someone, anyone really, to be their memory to be lost, uh, their life to be lost. And we don't want that. So again, please, please, please feel free to contact me, share these people with me, even if it's you. Please get with me, share with me so I can share with the world. Remember, you don't have to be alone on your spiritual journey. Again, I'm always here for all of you. I'm always available to help guide, uh, offer advice. Uh, you can always email me directly or contact me through the website. My services are ever growing and expanding as the spirit takes me and as you all need. And the cost of these services or all services I provide is absolutely zero. Absolutely free. I'm here for you guys. Next is prayers. Uh, you guys always hear me say this and you always will. I love to pray and so do listeners of the show. So please let us pray for you. So all of these services, how do you make it happen? by contacting me. And how can you do that? There's two ways you can do that. First, you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. And the second way is through the website. There's a contact button on the website where you can email me or you can fill out the prayer request form at the bottom of the webpage. You can also use that form for also asking for help, for guidance, for suggestions, for advice. Use that as well. It's a, it's a catch-all form. Use it as you need it. So in order to find the website, you go to Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site, S-I-T-E. And there's always links to my contact information, email, and the website in all of our show notes and show descriptions. So, 
Until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you is in my heart and prayers. Bless you.